blue wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him dart back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. How quick was that? Welcome to the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Marov. This is episode number 18, brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. Use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag and you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Today's episode, Michael Rothstein from ESPN will join me. He covers the Lions and they are one of the most intriguing teams this offseason. So we covered a lot in that interview. Also, the Combine is happening right now in Indianapolis. Coaches, executives, prospects, agents, they're all there talking, chatting, negotiating, scouting. We'll recap some of the things that have been said so far. Here we go with the My Sports Update football podcast. So with most of the NFL world in Indianapolis this week for the Combine, coaches, general managers, prospects, they're all required to speak to the media. Most of them have already done so. Some of them gave us some newsworthy topics to discuss. Before I get into any of that, I should mention that some of the things that are said end up not being true. For example, last year, Dave Gettleman saying we didn't sign Odell to trade him. And what happened a few few weeks later, Odell was traded. So some of the things that are said could end up not happening. But here are some of the things that ended up catching my eye and I think should be discussed. First up, new Panthers head coach Matt Rule saying that Cam Newton is going to be in Carolina next season. He said Cam Newton will absolutely be with the team in September. We've all heard of the trade rumors that Cam Newton could be gone. He is in the final year of his contract. He has um, he's had the injury concerns with the foot, with the shoulder. He is still not fully healthy. Dave Tepper just a couple of weeks ago was non-committal when asked about Cam Newton. But Matt Rule comes out and says Cam Newton will be with the Panthers next season. Will that actually end up happening? We will see. But Matt Rule was really straight up with the reporters and told them that Cam Newton will be back next season. Joe Burrow, the presumptive number one overall pick, he spoke to reporters as well. And we've had, last week I actually discussed that I don't understand where is all this Joe Burrow doesn't want to go to Cincinnati talk coming from. We discussed it. We said Joe has not said anything. And even if he did, Cincinnati would care less about it. They are going to select him number one overall. Joe Burrow spoke and he said, whoever drafts me, I will play with them. So if Cincinnati takes him, he will go to Cincinnati. He will play for Cincinnati. So he put an end to all of that. Obviously, the draft, um, there's time until the draft, two more months. So things could change. But Joe Burrow made it clear that he will go to whichever team drafts him. 
The Atlanta Falcons have a bunch of high-paid players on their on their roster right now. They are cap-strapped. Their cap is pretty tight. And Thomas Dimitrov, their general manager, told reporters that they will allow tight end Austin Hooper and linebacker Devondre Campbell to both hit the open market. Austin Hooper has made the Pro Bowl in two consecutive years. He's had over 70 receptions in back-to-back years. He is one of the better, uh, one of the best tight ends in football, a top five, top six tight end. And it looks like the Falcons will let him go to free agency and move on from him this offseason. And the expectation is that Hooper will get a fairly large contract he will blow the cap off the tight end market um, which right now Travis Kelsey is the highest paid tight end George Kittle will get an extension this offseason Austin Hooper will be aiming to go into double figures um, and try to go to 10 um, or 11 million dollars per year probably even more um, once he hits the open market the Falcons cannot afford to bring him back the Jets with GM Joe Douglas he spoke to reporters and we know last year that Jamal Adam, Jamal Adams was in trade talks with the Cowboys um, before the trade deadline the Cowboys and Jets it seemed to be some serious discussions about a possible trade nothing ended up happening but at the time there were reports that the Cowboys and Jets would revisit it in the offseason general manager Joe Douglas told reporters that he has already spoken to Jamal's agent they are working on a long-term contract and the goal is to make Jamal a jet for life Joe Douglas also mentioned Le'Veon Bell who was also in some trade talks during the season he told reporters that Le'Veon Bell will be back in 2020 one of the biggest topics of this entire really off season or up until now at least is the collective bargaining agreement with the NFL some big news at around 1 in the morning um on t- on Wednesday with the NFL players agreeing to take the current collective bargaining proposal to a vote um we don't know exactly when that vote will happen but if they get a majority of the players to agree on it the new collective bargaining will be in effect for the next 10 years. And that is obviously a big deal. If that does happen, a lot of changes will occur, including a 17-game season in 2021 or 2022. Um, The playoff format will change from six teams per conference to seven teams per conference, from two first-round buys to only one first-round buy, from four preseason games to three preseason games, Um, among other things in the new CBA. From what is being reported right now, the players are split on whether or not they want to go ahead with this proposal. Obviously, some major changes um, in this CBA. Um, The NFL owners, um, they obviously want to move on to the next, to the new TV deals, um, which expire after this year for ESPN and in two years for the rest of the networks, they want to renew those contracts and get straight to it. Um, So we'll see if the NFL players vote on this and get enough votes to pass it. Um, If they don't, these these talks could table until next year. So that is something to keep an eye on. 
Among the other topics that were discussed at the Combine, Broncos general manager John Elway told reporters that the team will use their franchise tag on Justin Simmons, their star safety, one of the more underrated players in the NFL, just 26 years old, has not missed a snap in two seasons on that defense. If no long-term deal is reached, they will use the franchise tag on him. Colts left tackle Anthony Costanzo, one of their most important players on that roster. He was contemplating retirement. He will be back in 2020. He told the team he is scheduled to be a free agent, but don't expect him to actually reach free agency as both sides are working on a new deal. And lastly, Bengals head coach Zach Taylor has said this a few times now, but he reiterated once again that A.J. Green will be with the team next season. Now, obviously, Green did not play last year after suffering an ankle injury in training camp. He is scheduled to be a free agent this offseason, and he recently said that he does not want to get the franchise tag, but if he does, he will play under the tag. Zach Taylor has now said at least three or four times that A.J. Green will be back with the team next year and um, no contract talks have been discussed or at least nothing serious so it looks like this is headed towards a franchise tag and green will be back with tyler boyd and most likely with joe burrow under center so those are all the noteworthy things that have happened up until now at the combine or at least all the things that have been said publicly at the combine so far as of this recording on wednesday at one o'clock eastern Obviously, a lot more expected with the drills coming up on Thursday night in Indianapolis. So now, here is my discussion with ESPN Detroit Lions reporter Michael Rothstein. We discussed a bunch of topics, including Matthew Stafford, Darius Slay, and his future with the team. If Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are on the hot seat, the number three overall pick... Would the Lions ever consider taking Tua Tungavailoa? And he even gave me his prediction on Tom Brady. So here it is, the full interview with Michael Rothstein. Alrighty, joining me now on the My Sports Update football podcast, we have ESPN Detroit Lions reporter Michael Rothstein. Mike, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining me, Mike. A lot to cover here. When I was looking for a guest for this week's podcast, I wanted to get someone who covers a team that has a bunch of question marks surrounding that team entering this offseason, and that is exactly the case for the Lions. So let's get right into it, and I want to start with the quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Last year, he only played in eight games due to the back injury. He finished the year on IR, and this offseason has already been a bit weird because there was a report out of Detroit that the Lions have discussed trading Stafford. Now, besides the fact that it makes no sense financially, General Manager Bob Quinn has come out and he said that the report is false. Let's just get set the record straight. Is Matthew Stafford going to be the starting quarterback next season for the Detroit Lions? Yeah, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. Bob Quinn has said this. He texted me. I don't know. It was before 7 a.m. the night the because that so that a little bit of backstory, right? That mm-hmm. report there. Let's go back a little bit more. There was a report in I guess it was maybe mid to late January, around the Senior Bowl time, out of Miami, that the Lions were looking into trading Matthew Stafford, and it came from a reporter who covers the Dolphins, 
who has no connect. There's no real connection there with anyone with the Lions, other than obviously Brian, Brian Flores used to work with Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. Mm-hmm. So that's where this whole thing started. And then I actually was at the Senior Bowl. I got home from the Senior Bowl, and sports talk local sports talk radio here was going on and on and on about it. And I actually tweeted something that basically said, "Got home, turned on sports talk radio. They talked about Tua for an hour." And trading Stafford turned off Sports Talk Radio, and that that was maybe my most popular tweet so far in 2020. <laughs> so it's a popular topic here, and, and then WDIV, which is the local NBC station here, put out a report. I guess it was what two weeks ago now, give or take. Yeah, and said sources close to the Staffords and to the Lions have told WDIV that. Matthew Stafford has been the subject of trade talks for a couple of weeks. Well, a couple of things here right away. That, it came, that came out at like 1130 at night. So they clearly announced it on their 11 o'clock news. WDIV has next to no presence with the Lions. But the reason that the report was taken seriously is one of their uh, consumer advocate reporters is very, very close with the Stafford family, particularly Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly. Right. And Kelly had posted earlier that day that if Detroit doesn't want them, you know, there was a story, I think, I don't remember who wrote it. It was more kind of a national fan site story. And they had said, you know, if Matthew Stafford trade destinations. So she put, went on Instagram stories and posted that and that. And then that night, this story pops up on DIV and it, Usually, I wouldn't take that with any credibility, except for the fact that I know the relationship that the Staffords have with some people at the station. So I reached out to to Bob Quinn. I think it was like at six a.m. that next following morning, just because my rule of thumb is unless it's something really crazy, I'm generally not going to text someone after eleven at night, mm-hmm. uh, their time. And he got back to me within forty-five minutes or so, and basically said, "This is one hundred percent false." And then at the combine this week, I'm not at the combine, but he met with some local reporters there and said, again, 100% false, not trading Matthew Stafford. So that's a very long answer for saying, no, I don't expect Matthew Stafford to be traded. Yes, I expect Matthew Stafford, as long as he's healthy, to be the quarterback of the Detroit Lions. Now, if you ask me that question for 21 or 22, maybe the answer is a little bit different because I think it'll be based on how he plays this season and, frankly, who the coach and general manager are down the road. But if it's the same structure in place, to me, Matthew Stafford is still the quarterback of the Lions. Now, where it gets interesting, and and this is maybe a little bit more than you were asking, Mm -hmm. is what they do behind him. Because they had one of the worst backup situations in the league last year. They rolled through, I think it was 11 or 12 backups between training camp and offseason and even during the regular season. Then they settled on Jeff Driscoll after they cut Josh Johnson and David Blau. And they tried to get Josh Johnson back after Jeff Driscoll got hurt. Or maybe it might have even been after Stafford got hurt. It all really blends together, honestly. Uh, but he was signed with the XFL at that point. And the XFL wouldn't let him out of the deal. Mm-hmm. So. Basically, the Lions were rolling with their kind of third or fourth choice as number two, and then a guy they were really hoping to be a developmental guy as a number three in Blau. Blau ends up starting the rest of the year, looks okay, but 
do you feel comfortable as the Lions going in to the season or even the offseason with your backup quarterback situation being David Blau and Kyle Slaughter, who is a preseason legend and has never played in the regular <laughs> So my answer to that is no, which means they're going to explore different markets for backup quarterbacks. Do they draft someone early? No, I don't think they would draft Tua because I think that they have too many other needs and have elite players that they can get at that point. But could I see them trading back into the end of the first round to take a quarterback, take one in the second round really early there if Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm or Jordan Love falls there? I absolutely can see that. And that all of a sudden puts Matthew Stafford on notice, like, hey, you got to play well. And also it gives them a better successor and potential successor to Matthew Stafford down the road because his contract does become much more movable after the 2020 season. So that's a long-term answer. And I think they may not even do that. And you could see them look at bringing in a vet and taking maybe a later round guy like an Anthony Gordon from Washington state who they worked with at the senior bowl or Shea Patterson who they worked with at the senior bowl. I'm really trying to develop them long-term, but they will address the backup quarterback situation, but their starter will be Matthew Stafford. I am 99.9999999% sure of that. All righty. So we got that straight and Stafford will be the quarterback. And that's, we already mentioned the cap hit would have been, I think over $25 million. So it would have not, it wouldn't make sense at all. You said 21, 20, 22, it might make more sense if the play isn't there, but um, he's going to be the starter. Yeah. And, well, the other thing too, yeah. The other thing too with the cap is actually the Lions would pay more to lose him than if he was on the roster. Like the, his cap hit right now is like 21.7 maybe. I just don't have it in front of me. And if he were to be traded, he's not getting cut. If he were to be traded, the cap hit would be like $24 million. And there was a thought at one point it was going to be $32 million, but there was some things in the restructure of the contract and, and different contract things that actually had that number initially misreported. It's around a little over $24 million. So you're not going to pay more money not to have him when he's a productive player. You're just not. And you're not going to get a $24 million cap hit anyway. Like teams just aren't going to do that unless something crazy happens. No, right, 100%. And we'll discuss the draft later on. And it's interesting that you bring up the possibility of trading back for a quarterback because when I look at Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, the team lost 12 out of their last 13 to end the season. Ownership had to come out and announce that both of them are going to come back in 2020. And when that happened, I got the impression that the pressure is on. And they have to win in 2020 or else your job is in jeopardy. Is it safe to say that? I mean, if the Lions go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine in 2020, can I say that both of them are unlikely to be back? I mean, yeah. The short answer is yes. I think there can be situations there that could make sense why at seven and nine you could argue that they would return. Um, and I talk, I get a little bit actually into this in my podcast, the Michael Rothstein show tomorrow. But one thing that really stood out to me is, yeah, six and 10 probably is getting you gone. But if you're six and 10, and let's just say for argument's sake, you lose Matthew Stafford, Carrion Johnson, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker, Trey Flowers, Jared Davis, 
Darius Slay, if he's on your team, <laughs> Tracy Walker, and Amani Awarie. Let's just say all, like, all their top-end guys get hurt, right? Or like the majority of their top-end guys get hurt. Right. Well, there, you, you, ha- like, you can legitimately point out and say, our top 15 players got hurt. Uh, and you can say that. That, to me, is the only argument that 6 and 10 would have them back. 7 and 9 is a little trickier because we've seen divisions 1 at 7 and 9 before. And I don't think a 7 and 9 division title would necessarily get them back for 20, 2021, but a 7 and 9 division title with a playoff win, which the Lions haven't had in, at that point, was it 19 years? It's been I a mean, while. no, more than that. I mean, they haven't had one since 19, the 1991 season. So math right now, my brain is, is so it's, you know, almost 30 years. It's almost 30 years, yeah. Yeah, it's almost 30 years. The, <clears throat> that, that becomes a much tougher sell uh, because they will have won a playoff game. And, I mean, if, and honestly, listen, if they're getting in at 7-9, and they're probably winning a division title. They haven't won that since 93. But I think the understanding would be, like, what was that 7-9, and really? You know, was everybody healthy and you went 7-9? and Or – did you somehow win the division at seven and nine with some of those guys that we were talking about before being injured? Right. right. So that's where I look at. I, to me, they, I, and I was in that meeting with, uh, with Martha Ford and Sheila Ford Hamp. And the way I took their edict is this, they want to be playing games that matter in December, games that matter for division titles, games that matter for playoff berths. And if they, if they go eight and eight, and they're in the conversation of the last week of the year, they may keep their jobs. If they go 10 and six and you know what, they just end up being the NFC ends up being this powerhouse and green Bay goes 12 and four and Minnesota goes 11 and five and Detroit ends up bounced out of the playoffs at 10 and six, but they don't, and they don't make it. I have a tough argument seeing them getting fired at 10 and six, even with no playoff berth. Nine and seven and no playoff berth would be in- interesting to me. I don't know what they would do there. So I think there's just so much nebulous kind of nature to all of this that it's tough to say, other than, yeah, if they bottom out, like if they win the division with a good record, they're coming back. If they bottom out, they're gone. Anything in between is up for interpretation. Right. And there's another wrinkle to this as well, because you have to keep in mind that assuming this new CBA happens, we could be looking at seven playoff teams per conference next year in the NFL. And if the Lions still can't get in, I don't know how ownership can go ahead for another year. Assuming that everyone is healthy and everything checks out, how are they going to keep on going with Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn considering all those factors? Sure, like sure, but but here I'll, I'll throw a counter back out at you, right? And obviously, this is all all fun and games because you don't really know. Right? Say eight teams. Say let's just say eight teams go ten and six in the NFC, which is not out of the realm of possibility if they just really hammer their AFC counterparts. Like it's it's realistic. It's possible. Well, you know, so it's like or say you're nine. Say you end up being nine. Say you're nine and six going into the last week of the season. And Stafford gets hurt in that game. You lose. You miss the playoffs and are nine and seven. Like, or you know, or, or or whatever it is. Or you lose on a fluke play, like a hail mary or something like that. You know, like I mean, which we've seen that. Happen. We've seen it with the Lions. Covered that. Legitimately, right. did, oh, that game. Not to go off on a, a little tangent, but. 
that game, I was filed. That was, you know, the Lions were, were putting themselves after going one and seven to start the year, very similar to the Chiefs that year. Right. Were, were putting themselves back in contention for the playoffs. If they had beaten the Packers, they would have swept the Packers. They would have held any sort of tiebreaker on the Packers. They would have, they, it would have been huge for them. And I thought they did it. And all of a sudden, like, they, they get the phantom play, and you see the ball in the air. And I'm, I've got nothing written for them if they lose. Like, <laughs> I, I've got, or I've got, like, a graph. All of a sudden, you look down, and I, I was just like, I put my head down. I'm starting writing. I'm getting ready to go down to the locker room. And I look, and all of a sudden, all the Packers players are celebrating. I thought it was a fight. <laughs> and then I saw what happened. I'm like, holy crap. What just happened? That's only the few. And I, listen, I am nowhere near a fan. Like I say, I make that very, very clear to anyone I talk to. Like, I, I, I root for the best story, that's the, I root, and I root for me. And that's the only okay. thing that matters to me. Mm-hmm. I honestly like that's why the closest I've ever come to just tossing my laptop in the air and being like, oh, what are you are you kidding me? Like it was one of the more and I've covered some crazy endings to some things, but that was the craziest ending I think I've ever truly covered in football. I, I, um and, and I cover I've covered a few. Like I covered the Michigan Notre Dame game, the first night game when it went back when they had like three touchdowns in the last 90 seconds. Um I've co- I covered the Bush push game, but that that was up there as far as the wildest endings I, I can ever really recall because it just sunk so much out of that fan base because they believed even a team that was under 500 and they had nothing in the first half of the year and then fired half their coaches. For the Lions fans believed, and if they had won, and I think there are still some Lions fans and still some people on that team that believe that if they had won that game they would have actually won out and made the playoffs. I don't know about that, but there, there are some believers of that. No, I remember that night so vividly. I, it was Jim Nance, Phil Sims, I think, were calling the game right on CBS. And um, there are some really great videos from, from the stadium of that play. I mean, the Lions fans' reactions, I mean, you could feel it. Like, it, it, like, it like hits you, even if you're not a Lions fan. But like you feel for them because they really were on a roll. They started off they started off terribly that year, as you said. And it felt like they actually had something going and then that happens. I mean it's it's a real gut punch. Oh yeah, but, well I don't know if you remember there's there's a pretty famous uh gif out there of Matthew Stafford hats thrown and then Calvin Johnson yeah, basically yeah. just falls to the ground. Yeah, yeah. Like and remember too, that was Calvin Johnson's last season. And Calvin Johnson knew at that point that it was Calvin Johnson's last season. So that, that fall, and no one's really asked Calvin about that. I've kind of talked to him about it a little bit. But that moment of him falling down, I think, was the realization that he would never have a shot. Wow. That's it's- me hypothesizing. But, like, knowing now what, knowing what I know now from back then, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. All right. It just makes it all worse now, just saying that. <laughs> sorry uh no, no it's all. <laughs> all right so you have you have your own podcast you mentioned it before the michael rothstein show everyone should check it out by the way last week you interviewed lions cornerback darius slay on your podcast and he has been in trade rumors as of late adam schefter reported a couple of weeks ago that the lions have discussed trade possibilities i think bob quinn told reporters last week that he's discussed it as well so he actually confirmed it Slay has made it clear he wants to get 
get paid big big money. So based off what we know right now, your conversations with him, with other people, what do you think happens with Darius Slay? You know, I don't know. I mean, my human gut reaction would be he gets traded. And and honestly, Darius Slay has said as much. He said it on the podcast. He was yeah. when we were talking about it, he's like there haven't been many substantial talks. And this was Sunday. And obviously, we're in combine week right now. So things can change, you know, in a snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. But as of Sunday, at least, he was like, there, to my knowledge, there haven't been any substantive talks, at least not with me. But I know what's going on. Like, I see it. I read the internet. And, like, my, he, he basically was – the vibe I got from him was he thinks that they're looking to shop him. And if they get the right deal, he's most likely getting traded. He's, got, he's gone to the point where he has talked to his wife and somewhat to his children about being traded, that they might not be here. And remember, this is the only place that professionally Darius and his family have ever known. Um, Darius' oldest kid, Darian, he's been with them for a long time. He, Darius had him when he was a high school student, and he's been taking care of him since. So, like, Darian's grown up in Detroit, and, I mean, he's about to be a teenager now. Now, the, the wrinkle on that is that that was going to change regardless because when they finish their house, they want to make their permanent home in Houston. So they are going to move to Houston. The family is at least whenever that house is done, whether it's this year or next. And then Darius would do what a lot of kind of older veterans do, which is pretty much live half the year in Detroit or wherever they play. And then live the rest of the year and leave their family behind and then live the rest of the year in uh, whatever town their home base is in. And they do that because kids are in school and, and it's not fair to them to really pick them up and, and pull them out, especially once they kind of get to middle school. Um, so all of that is just background for saying, I think at this point, Darius Slay ends up getting traded. Right. Would I trade Darius Slay? No. If I were, right. if I were, doing this and again this is just me if i were doing this i would have i would play darius out on the last year of his contract because you know he's going to play he's not going to sit out the whole year like he might sit out training camp or 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 the spring like he did but he's not going to sit out the whole year because he also knows if he plays well he he can make himself even better money so then he's not it's not like he's 20 it's not like he's melvin gordon where he's 25 you know like that's just not going to work. So he has to play. So if I'm the Lions, I basically say, uh, you're going to play out 2020 and we'll see what happens from there. Fully understanding that a, depending on what happens with the CBA, they could franchise tag him or B at that point, if Darius isn't playing great, you let him walk at that point. You get depending again on the new CBA. If what happens with the comp picks, you maybe you get a comp pick in return for him. So, that's where I would do it, especially because, like we were talking about, like they got to win this year. And my philosophy generally is you don't get rid of your good players without at least getting a good player in return. And you certainly don't do that when you've basically got to win. And Darius Slay, even if he took a step back last year, which you can argue one way or the other, you can say that, well, he also got no pass rush help. So when you're asking him to be a man corner and teams are running crossers on him really I don't care how fast he is you're not going to be able to keep up when 
you both have to keep up with a guy and you also don't totally know where the guy is going, that's a problem. It's, it's really impossible to do. And, and no one really talks about that. So it's tough to say that like Darius has like taken a real step back. And because of all of that, like I think that people need to understand that like dude's still a really good player and they don't have a corner even close to him in the, in the secondary. So by getting rid of him, you're creating another problem and you have enough problems already. Now, if you know and you feel really good that you're getting Byron Jones or you're getting James Bradbury or Logan Ryan, like those would be the top three names. Maybe Chris Harris, but I think Harris is more of a slot. Yeah. And they pay, are paying Justin Coleman a lot of money to be a slot. So mm-hmm. th- those three outside guys, if you know, say you negotiate with, with, his, with any of those three players' agents in the tampering period, uh, and I mean, listen. All those conversations really start it's now. Happening now, yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, but in the legal tampering, we say say the Monday of legal tampering, you know, agreed to ter- like there is an agreement of terms. Again, this is just hypo- hy- hypothetical with the Lions and James Bradbury. To me, the second that happens, means that Darius Slay they've made a deal to trade Darius Slay somewhere, and it would not shock me if one if. One thing, if thing one and thing two happen concurrently, you know, so that would be to me what to watch. I, again, I wouldn't trade him because he also has such a good knowledge of Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs, specifically those guys. Like, and there is value in knowing those guys and knowing all of their moves. But I, I totally understand why they would if they get the right compensation. But the question is what that compensation ends up being. Right. And I agree with you. I mentioned this on my podcast last week. I discussed Darius Slay and we just mentioned Quinn and Patricia. They have to win in 2020 and trading Slay just doesn't help you win unless you're getting um, another great player. I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. But um, if they try, it doesn't, it looks like he wants to become the highest paid corner in the NFL and if it's too much for the Lions to do that, do you think he would actually go through a whole holdout or no, or, or not? I mean, so here's the thing with that, right? He wants to become the highest paid maybe corner in the NFL like right now, like today. Well, right. Jalen Ramsey and Tredavis White are going to get corner contracts. And I think Gilmore might be up soon too or be in the range of being able to get one. All three of those guys are going to get more than Darius Slay. And, and Darius Slay, even though he won't say it, probably understands that like he's not getting $20 million a year, which may happen for, for Jalen Ramsey or Tredavious White. We, it, we don't know. 19 a year. Yeah, I, I, think, think that, I think the number is at 15.1 right now. Right. The number is 15.1. My guess is if Darius is able to get in between 16 and $17 million a year, which would make him the most expensive at that point, but would get eclipsed very quickly, um, you know, and it'd make him end up four, probably, you know, four or five maybe, because listen, people are going to overpay him free agency. You know, if you're able to do that, then, then I think that that's the move that you make for Darius. Like, I think that Darius feels comfortable. With that. That's just me guessing. I want to make clear that is just me hypothesizing. But, you know, he has said, listen, his agents know his worth. He knows his worth, and he won't sign anything unless it's to what his worth is. Uh, and I'm, by that, I mean I, I think he means like now, not when he tests free agency, if, he were to, if it were to get to that point. Right, and he'll be 30 next year. And that's the thing about, about 
waiting it out is that he could get the franchise tag and it's like it's like a whole another waiting period again right and yeah yeah they can if the lions really wanted to they could kick this down the can kick this can down the road for a couple of years and that and but then at that point realistically if you're doing that and you know that that's your plan why not just pay him like why not just pay him if you're going to use the franchise tag like that on on a deal that maybe you would only have one more year on it anyway, and that year probably won't have much guaranteed, and you make the player happy. That right. to me is why is I would say you know to me the fran- this is just me with the franchise tag. To me, the franchise tag should only be used if it's a quarterback situation, kind of like what's going on in Dallas or what happened with Washington or Tennessee with Kirk right Cousins, now. Tennessee right now where. Where you're either you're Tampa Bay, where you either want one more year, and I think in the Tennessee Tampa Bay case, like with Tannehill and Jameis, you want more one one more year to really see whether it's a fluke or or they found something, or in some other in the I think the Dallas case, yeah, you put it in as a placeholder because you you know you're gonna get the deal done. Yeah, but other than that, to me, you do it on guys that you know are not gonna come back, and you know that are going to be too cost prohibitive for you to resign. That's when I would use it. Like, and I'd use it on a guy that you maybe only want for one more year. Like that's, that, that's when I would use the franchise tag. But again, I'm not a general manager. All right. So let's go to a different topic here. The combine is going on right now. The lions have the third pick. Bob Quinn has mentioned that he is open to trading down and the lions really have a bunch of options here. So my first question here is, do you think there's any chance the Lions consider a quarterback like two? I know you answered it before, but I asked that because Mel Kuyper, who works for ESPN, he came out with his mock last week and he put Tua to the Lions. And I know there's time until the draft, but is there any chance in your mind that they would ever consider shocking the world and doing that? A chance? Sure. I think there's a chance, but I don't think it's a good chance. I, because here's the thing, even in Mel, if you, if you read the blurb under Tua in Mel's mock, he even says he thinks that, like, he can't do trades, which, like, as of now, and it, it sometimes changes, but, like, as of now, when we do our mock very close to the draft, we can't do trades. He can't do trades right now in his mock, so he thinks Tua is going to number three. It doesn't necessarily mean he thinks Tua is going to the Lions at three, but he thinks Tua is going to three. And that's, I think I would agree with that, unless Tua goes at two. I don't think Tua gets past three unless it becomes very clear that the Chargers and Panthers and Colts, although I don't think the Lions would trade all the way back down to 13, uh, at, at least at first, maybe if they somehow did a double trade to really kind of stack picks if they just really didn't like what was on the board. Um, but I, I can't even see that totally happening. But I see a scenario where it happens. But my point is, I think that that was more of a placeholder. I have a hard time seeing them take Tua just because of the win, the the needing to be a lot better, and the fact that there are three or four players out there at positions of need that are considered potentially elite players. It's a really good top elite part of the draft, right? Like, because listen, the ultimate thing for the Lions, I think, would be someone trades Washington 
to Miami or, or Carolina or, or San or sorry, still call them San Diego. <laughs> the Chargers trade up with Washington, right? Like, and and Washington they offer give like say Miami tells Washington, hey, we're gonna give you a five and eighteen or seventeen, whatever their their second first is, and we'll give twenty six, right? Yeah, so we'll give you a five and seventeen and and a third a second next year to come up from five to two to take two. Let's just say they do that, right? Well, if you're the Lions, you're like ecstatic and like sprinting to the podium to take Chase Young. If I'm the Lions, at least. Who knows whether they do that? Maybe they really feel good about Okuda or Isaiah Simmons or they really want to build on the inside with Derek Brown. But if I'm the Lions and Chase Young is there, I'm running to the podium and taking him. So Working dreams- on the assumption he's not, right? right? Let's just say that he's not. Then I think that's where it gets interesting because then that's where – then that means Washington took Chase Young. So then it's, okay, trade down is probably definitely in play. If you trade down to five, which do you think all three or four of your main targets will be there? You know at least two will be, if not three. So I think you make that move. Unless you are so in love with a player that you're like, this is the guy we absolutely want. We don't want to chance it. And, and I don't know if there is that big of a difference between Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown, and you could maybe even throw Javon Kinlaw in there because he's, he, he's shown some stuff that you'd say, you know what, to move from three to five or three even to six, we'll still get one of those players is how I think the Lions would think. So go get it. And you need help in all those areas. So it's not like you'd be completely sacrificing that. Um, so that's where I look at the possibility of a trade down. Right. And you mentioned that Chase Young is a dream scenario. I'm not sure if you saw this, but before you came on, Ron Rivera was talking to reporters and he told them that they will bring in Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa for pre-draft visits. And he said all options are on the table at quarterback, which makes, sure. you, it makes you wonder if they're going to have a whole Josh Rosen treatment for Dwayne Haskins. It's, is that possible? Sure. but. Here are the two things with that. I fully expect the Lions to bring to bring in Tua and bring in Joe Burrow, or at least Tua. I, I, Joe Burrow maybe not, but just because he's not getting a three. Like if Joe Burrow is somehow there at two, like I think the teams are going to try, 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 try to trade up with Washington, 100%. you know, like, and offer the house. Um, but. Yeah, you're going to bring them in. And you bring them in for multiple reasons. Yeah, you want to see them just in case they wow you so much. And you're like, you know what? This guy might really be the future. And I understand more in Washington's case why you do that. Because this isn't the regime that drafted uh, Dwayne Haskins. Haskins did not look good as a rookie. You know, like maybe it ends up being a... You know, I know I know you used another situation. But to me, the one that always stands out is Jimmy Clausen and Cam Newton. Um, where, like, Jimmy Clausen was put in a really bad situation and then they took Cam Newton, and that was the end of Jimmy Clausen in Carolina for the most part. Right. But, you know, after giving him essentially half a year. But basically <laughs> yeah. what and, – and, I mean, there are examples of that. Like, I don't think this – like, Josh Rosen's situation, I think, was different because the, um, the scheme was so massively different with what Kingsbury was running that versus what he was running the year before. I, th- I think the Clausen – Cam one may fit even better. And there are other situations like that. But my point is this. You bring him in because you know you're going to have to face him. 
So you want to get some sort of knowledge of them and some sort of book on them. You're going to have to face them at some point. Teams will always say that there are a few guys they bring in that they may be interested in, but they don't think they're going to fall to them. But they want to learn about them because every little bit matters when you're scouting. Every little bit matters when you're researching. And who knows, you may end up somewhere else three years from now where you're either coaching that player or you're in a position to get that player as a free agent. All of a sudden, you have a little bit more knowledge of them. So that's how some of those top 30 visits are used. And to me, that's how if teams other than Cincinnati, like that, that's where I could see that happening. And I could see the Lions bringing those guys in for visits. But I think that that's also to create smoke for someone to really want to trade up. And that, if, that, if I'm Bob Quinn, that's my like whole job with the draft, right? Like between now and the draft, because you're, only, you're not going to know who you're going to be able to take until that night, more than likely. But my whole job is to create as much smoke as possible so that way a team that really wants to, providing they don't trade off with Washington, wants to go in that three spot, wants to offer a ton of picks or, or a combination of players and picks, and all of a sudden you got your team a lot better for both the present and the future really fast because the Lions have to do that. They have to do that, otherwise that this whole regime might be out of jobs. Right, that's what it makes me wonder right now is – Maybe would they actually trade down if the package isn't as big as other packages previously have been when it comes to trading trading up? For example, like the Titans a few years ago, they traded out of number one, moved down with the Rams, and they, they got a lot of pieces for the future, and they were just now in the AFC Championship game. My question is, we know Quinn and future, I mean, Quinn and Patricia, they have to win in 2020. Can they afford to move down get more pieces in the future, get more pieces that have to develop, but they aren't necessarily going to for sure help you in 2020 or just stick at three, get a surefire player who's going to help you in 2020 and move forward like that. That is, that's, that's what I'm wondering. Well, I think it depends on how far you go down. It's why I don't think they'd go down to 13. Now they might in a double, I don't think they would, they would go directly from three to 13 unless they got player compensation along with draft pick compensation, there would have to be a really large piece of compensation. Because at that point, even if you want to trade down with like the best of it, you're, you know that like you're getting an elite player or a potentially elite player at three. And you, don't, you might not get that at 13. Maybe Javon Kinlaw goes, ends up down there, right? But like that seems unlikely with the way that he is rising up boards. But if you trade to five or six, you're going to get one of those elite defensive players because clearly the team moving up to three is moving up to take two. At four, the Giants could do a bunch of things. They could take Okuda. They could take Isaiah Simmons. But they could also take an offensive lineman. And they could also take a receiver. So then all of a sudden, if you trade with Miami, then you're at five. And you might have all of those options that you wanted still sitting there at five at six you might have all those options again because maybe you know maybe if they say the chargers trade up and they actually want just herbert well then two is probably still sitting there at five and miami gets him you know or herbert's sitting there at, at five and miami's like you know what we we like justin herbert we'll take justin herbert so then maybe at six you can still get whoever you want and i think the same thing with seven you probably lose 
one guy in there to two guys in there if you go all the way down to seven, but you're going to get an elite prospect. Beyond seven, I don't think you can do it. But I think that you can get to seven and still get one of those four elite defensive prospects, maybe five if you include Kinlaw, that that will be on the board. And, I mean, the other thing, too, is the Lions could use an offensive tackle and they could use a receiver. So even if you sit down, and that's where maybe the move to 13 and that's where a double trade could happen is, you trade all the way down to 13, there's a chance you might still be able to get C.D. Lamb. And if that happens, like, well, okay, you didn't really improve your defense, but you probably just added a ton of picks in the second and third rounds that can bolster your defense. And you still got a potential electric playmaker in C.D. Lamb who becomes the heir apparent to Danny Amendola because the Lions, as of now, although I expect Kenny Galladay to sign a pretty massive extension, they, their top four receivers going into 2020 are all in contract years as of today. Right. And that's, we'll get to Galladay later, but that's what makes this draft so interesting for the Lions because there are just so many options, especially at three. And when there are so many teams in need of quarterbacks, especially at five, six, and seven, I mean, the options are really like endless for this team. Moving on from the draft, let's just, free agency is obviously a few weeks away. So let's just talk about that a little bit. And the Lions have actually already gotten started. They have a bunch of holes. They re-signed Danny Amendola. I think the terms came out a few few hours ago. It's one year, five and a half million, I think it was. So yeah, it's in that range. It can get up to six with the, with incentives. It's similar to his deal from last year. So yeah, so he's back back in the fold, and they also cut Damon Harrison. I want to ask you something about Damon Harrison. I know he wasn't great last year, but what exactly happened here? Because when the season ended, I got the impression that he's either retiring or he's going to be back with them next year. What exactly happened that he was cut? Because he well, to- I don't. Yeah, I don't think anything happened. I think that the Lions probably looked at their their entire base of their defense, and they had my. They would have had to pay him. I think it was, I don't have. Uh, do I have it in front of me? Hold on. I think it was eleven. Uh, don't want to speak totally out. Yeah, the cap was hit was eleven point seven five million. So. He didn't play well last year. Some of that was due to injury. But he's also an older guy. He plays a position that uh, – and is a large man and has a body that can break down. I don't care how, how athletic he is, and he's very athletic. And do you want to pay $11.75 million to a player that, you know, is a, is a one-dimensional player who showed signs of regression? And when you can use the, I, think, I believe they get 6.75 in cap space. It was somewhere around uh, there, yeah. Yeah, it's 6.75 in cap space for, for him. Well, you can use that to go find, find someone. Maybe that's, that's maybe money where you get your starting right guard. Or that's money where you re-sign, I mean, granted, also injury prone, but you re-sign Mike Daniels, who gives you a little bit more flexibility because he can play against the run in the pass. Because that's the thing, you had to take Damon Harrison out on pure passing downs because you just you couldn't do it. And then if he's not, so if he's not re- being really productive against the run, which he wasn't for most of last season, what, what value does he give other than being a name? And defensive tackle to me is a, the position that they are treating like tight end last year, which is they're refurbishing the entire thing. Right now, the defensive tackles on their roster are 
Kevin Strong, John Atkins, Frank Heron, and Olive Sagapolo. And I guess technically Deshaun Hand, just from like Deshaun Hand can play inside and out. And that's it. I guess kind of Jonathan Wing can do the same thing, but you're not, I mean, Jonathan Wing, not likely to not maybe counting. even be on the roster. But yeah, so you're, you know, so you're looking at that. That, I mean, that's, that's the bottom half of, like, they like Kevin Strong a lot, but he was literally the 53rd guy last year until he got hurt. Like, he was playing, but he was maybe the 52nd or 53rd guy that made the team. Like, that, he was that far down. So, you're remaking that whole position. And that's what they did with tight end last year. So, you're going to do it with a combination of the draft and free agency. And if you don't think Damon Harrison is, is going to be worth being your top guy, I think you have to move on from him. And, and it, uh, the last thing I would say on that is this, which is Damon Harrison says he still wants to play. But my experience covering sports for a long time, and I've heard this from multiple players, is that once you start really thinking about retirement, you're more than likely retired, especially in the NFL where it's so hard for your body to come back and it's so taxing and the training is so intense and – I, I mean, you've seen it time and time again. Guys come back for one more year, and it doesn't go particularly well. With the Lions, I mean, even look at Glover Quinn. Glover Quinn was contemplating retirement, came back for one more year, and it was a rough season for him. And, and you know, he ended up getting released by the Lions and retiring and, and pretty much knew. But he knew going – he had even asked for his release before that. So, you know, all of those things come into play, and I think that it made sense to me why the Lions – let go of Snacks Harrison because I think it, from the sounds of it, it sounds like it was mutual. Like, I get it. I, I have no qualms with it. I would have a bigger issue, you know, from a, like, logic standpoint if they traded Slay than cutting Snacks Harrison. Oh, here. And, and a thing about retirement, somebody once told me, once it's in your head, especially as a football player, it stays in your head. Right. So, um, so that's probably what was going on over there with him. But now there's a big hole up front. You mentioned the names that are available on the roster. I'm not really sure if they're going to count on those guys going into the offseason to be the guys starting next year. No, I, w- I don't think so. I mean, I think they would think Kevin Strong could be a, a rotational guy. And, and maybe he takes a leap to where he's like your number three tackle. I, I don't think they would count on him for much more than that. John Atkins is a fringe roster guy. The other two guys, I really don't know much about. Right. So, like, yeah, you're pretty much looking at reshaping the top of that defense, and that's where Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw come in in the first round. And that's where I don't expect Chris Jones to get out of Kansas City, but if Chris Jones yeah. somehow is allowed to test free agency, that's me. I don't expect the Lions to be big players in free agency especially after last year when they gave a ton of money to Trey Flowers. But Chris Jones might be one of the few guys that I would give a lot of money to as right. a defensive lineman in free agency. I don't want to get off topic with Chris Jones, but the thing about him is that the Chiefs already paid Frank Clark on the defensive line and paying another guy. I mean, I don't really know how many teams would pay two guys on their line. So it could be another D Ford situation from last year where they tag and trade. Not saying that as a as a reporter or anything, but right. No, that. Oh no, that's listen. Anything. I think anything's possible when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like that's part of the excitement of all this. The next few weeks. Hundred percent, exactly. So the Lions are looking into free agency. They have about I don't know forty five, fifty million dollars in cap space. Looking at this roster right now, 
A, do you think they'll be active? I think you just answered that. But B, any names that stick out as potential fits right now for agency? Guys will actually make it to the market at least. You know, honestly, it's tough to say because I think there are a lot of guys that are going to get cut here in the next, you know, few weeks that could end up being being smart fits. I also don't think they're going to be massive players in free agency. I can see them going after a guard, but maybe not like the Joe Thunies or Brandon Scherfs of the world. Again, defensive. I think defensive tackle is going to be a spot where you can really look and say, I think they're going to make a move there. I think they'll bring in a veteran corner. Oh, now, listen, if they trade Slay, right? Like, let's just say they trade Slay. I think that then you're looking at a Byron Jones, James Bradbury, like a high-end corner, like Logan Ryan, like we were talking about earlier. Like, that's an area where I think that if you, may, if you get rid of Slay, that's where I think you spend your money. Um, if you're the Lions. Other than that, I mean, you have holes you need to fill. Like, maybe they bring back Tavon Wilson, which I could see them doing. Maybe they bring back Kenny Wiggins, which I tweeted about earlier today, that he hasn't really had any conversations with them, but he'd like to come back. He's coming off a biceps injury. He was not. He was basically their rotational interior lineman last year and, frankly, probably can fit that role again this year. I, I think you see them bring in a lot of depth, piece, depth pieces, a couple of starters, but I would be pretty surprised at this point, other than cornerback. I mean, maybe they shock everyone. And if Deion Lewis doesn't remain in Tennessee, maybe they bring him in. Or maybe they shock everybody and bring in Melvin Gordon. But I really have a tough time seeing that happening, just based off of like money and logic and, and all of that. You know, I, I think the areas you look at, they might bring in a veteran backup quarterback, as we were talking about before. So maybe they give a good amount of money to like a Case Keenum um, or, or a, a Blake Bortles. Maybe they go there. You find an offensive lineman that you think fits and works that can be a starter level or compete for a starting job with potentially a rookie or, or another veteran. Maybe you bring in two veterans there, right? Then you've got that deep hole in the defensive line and everything else I think is depth. I, I think you're, that, that to me is what stands out. If I'm the Lions, I stay away from receiver because you've got your top four and it's receivers the deepest part of the draft. So you can probably snag one and day three that ends up being pretty good. Or like you say, if a Donovan Peoples-Jones is sitting there at the end of round three, maybe you, you take him and say, okay, well, you're mostly potential, not a lot of production. You don't need to play really this year because of what they have, at least – as of now, if things stay healthy. So maybe you go there. So that's kind of tight end. I don't, maybe they would bring back Logan Thomas. I I can't see them doing a ton at that position as I'm just kind of rattling these things off here. So I just don't know. I don't think there's other than corner. If they move on from Slay, I I don't think there's a huge, huge, huge name out there that makes a ton of sense for them. Now I can be totally wrong, but they, they've spent big the last few years, and Bob Quinn's shown he's not shy to do so, but I just don't know if there is that guy this year. Uh, yeah, and the thing about the Lions that just – I feel like – I know they weren't great last year, but you have to factor in the injuries. But they're that team that's always stuck in the middle where they're not terrible, but they aren't great. And I just don't know what it is to get them over the hump. And you're saying they probably won't you know, be as active as they were in previous years in free agency. But um, I just don't well, know exactly. He doesn't always get get you that. I mean, Tampa Bay one year spent like an incredible amount of free agency, and they went like six and ten. Like you know, it, it's filling 
free agency is good to fill one or two holes that can you can put really good band-aids on it you have to build through the drafts and through long-term contracts like that's that's how that goes um i to answer your question of like getting them over the hump i don't know the answer to that i really i really don't i I think they've tried a little bit of everything i think the ford family would really like that to happen i don't think they do care about winning like that i know that's something in detroit that people sometimes scoff at but they do legitimately care they tried they've tried a whole bunch of stuff they've been innovative they've been you know they've gone after the hot person they've gone after the not as popular person and none of it's worked at any time so I don't know the answer. I, I, really, I really have no idea what it would be that they need to take them over the hump. I can look at this year's roster and say, oh, yeah, I think it's this, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Like the, and with 60 years, you know, one playoff win in, in 60 years, it, it kind of ends up just being a crapshoot anyway. Right. I feel for Lions fans. I mean, they really have tried everything and they really do care about winning. I mean, I know fans have said that, but there's, you know, like Cincinnati, you hear that a lot about them, about like their ownership maybe doesn't care as much, but Detroit really does. And um, they've actually, they just can't get over it. I really, like you said, I really don't know what they have to do, but um, they've tried everything and it hasn't worked. But shifting over to a player that's actually on the Lions right now, and he is one of the young stars in the NFL, one of the most underrated players in the NFL. We mentioned him before. It's Kenny Galladay, and he is entering the final year of his deal. And I'd, I'm assuming he wants to get paid in a big way. Do you think the Lions make that happen this offseason, or do they let it play out? I mean, if I'm the Lions, I – now, where it gets tricky is, again, CBA, right? Yeah. But that aside, I'm getting it done. I'm getting it done now, like for over the summer, which is, and honestly, Bob Quinn most gets most of his extensions, big extensions done over the summer or during training camp. That's when they got Stafford done. That's when they even did guys like Theo Riddick and Sam Martin. Darius Slay was right before the, uh, right before the, right before training camp, whatever year that was, I think it was seven, what, 17? 17 or 16, yeah. Yeah, whatever that whatever that year was, like that was done like the day before training camp. That's usually when Bob Quinn get. That's when deals get done, right? So that's the time frame that I would look at for Kenny Galladay. They'd be silly to not pay Kenny Galladay a lot of money because he's incredibly talented and he's your clear number one receiver. And no matter who the quarterback is, like they're going to need him. And no matter who the coach is, he can fit in any system. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he's very system dependent. Like if you had a short slot and you end up going to a team that really plays only two receivers a lot, you know, like a a team that's two receivers or two tight ends, that slot becomes much less valuable. Kenny Galladay is a guy that you can move anywhere on the field. And he's a, he produces, he's a pro bowler. You know, I would say he's maybe like what eleventh, twelfth best receiver in the NFL, like right out of that top tier, maybe he's that top there. of that second tier. So yeah, you pay him, and, and you're probably going to pay him a good amount of money. He's open to signing a long-term extension, and uh, the guys in the locker room want that to happen. Like they, there, some guys I've talked to have openly said, "Yeah, man, Kenny's gonna get paid," and I think that. Uh, I can't see why the Lions wouldn't do it at this point because here's what you run into. Let's you know we can play scenarios again. Like, what happens if 
you, uh, you keep Kenny, but you don't sign him. And he goes into playing contract year. You keep Slay, don't sign him. He's going into a contract year. Both of them play really well. You realize you want to keep both of them, but both of them are so close to free agency, they know that they're going to get paid handsomely on the open market. Well, you can only tag one of them. So what do you do then? You might lose one of the two. So by, by signing Kenny to a long-term extension now, you're also freeing up that tag for next year, whether it's Slay or, I mean, beyond that, like understand right now, this is as of right now, their 2021 free agency class would be Slay. You're not going to use the tag on Romeo Aquara, but mm-hmm. Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, Slay, Taylor Decker. Like, you need to pay one or two of those guys now just in case you need to use the franchise tag. Devon Kennard, they wouldn't use the tag on him, but, but you see what I'm saying. Like, they have some big-ticket free agents coming up, and I think that they value Taylor Decker as well. So you, you need to make decisions. And Galladay's to me, is a no-brainer. He's a guy that you want on your roster long-term. And if, as long as Kenny Galladay is willing to be there, then you get a deal done. All right, we'll see where that goes. Last question for you, Mike, and I really appreciate you taking this time. This is a non-Lions question. One of the biggest storylines in the NFL this offseason will be Tom Brady, who, by the way, went to Michigan. He is going to be a free agent. What is your Tom Brady prediction this offseason? Where does he land? He goes back to New England, uh, and he goes back there with the understanding that he's going to have better weapons around him. Uh, I think that that ends up being the logical play. That ends up being the smart play. Um, I have no inside knowledge on that whatsoever. I just I think he ends up going back to New England because I think that they'll, they'll still be willing to pay him. And he's, he's comfortable in that system, and he knows some of those guys at least. And, and honestly, I mean, what situation would you look at around the league that has an open quarterback situation? You're like, okay, that makes a ton of sense. Indianapolis, okay, maybe. The Chargers, okay, maybe. Vegas, I don't know. I mean, do you like that? Do you like Vegas's receivers all that much more? I mean, you know, like Vegas's passing options, I don't think are great other than Darren Waller. Um, I, I think their running game is better with Josh Jacobs. But you know, I I'll be curious to see what happens there. I I, I still have a tough time seeing Brady being anywhere other than New England because I mean, listen, the list of quarterbacks who played there last year or two when in other cities is long, like veteran guys. It's a long list, but how often do they end up playing well? Usually it doesn't end up going so well. I mean, what Joe Montana and Kansas City went all right, but how many other spots does that really happen? So if I'm Tom Brady, I stay with what I know. But again, that's just my gut and my and my complete out-of-thin-air speculation with no real sourcing behind it. Right. I don't think anybody knows right now. I don't think Tom knows what he's going to do. So <laughs> that's about yeah, it. probably not. Probably not. But the thing about it that, and one more thing about Tom, is just that I feel like as the days go on and he still isn't resigning with New England, it just makes me feel like he's going to test the waters and see what's out well, there. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, why, at this point, why wouldn't you? You go through the process, see if someone's willing to pay a $50 million a year or something crazy, you know? Like, say Chicago comes in and is like, hey, we're going to give you $40 million a year, like, for two years, and... You know, I mean, some, say someone throws a godfather offer at him. Like, you, at this point, if you're Tom, Tom Brady specifically wanted to go to free agency, it seems like, because he's never been in it before. 
like why not test and see what your worth is elsewhere before you make a decision yeah, that's the thing. I don't really know if it's really about the money for him. That's the other part about it. No, this. but 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 he's not. Listen, we I think we all understand he's not going to go to a team that he doesn't think can win. Like that's that's like out of the gate. It's not like we're talking about him going to Cincinnati here, right. you know, or, or no, seriously, or Detroit or Miami. Like no, the teams that the teams that you're talking about are Chargers. They had a bad year, but like they had their own issues, but they have a lot of talent. The Bears who frankly, are probably a quarterback away from being really, really good. The Colts, which were very competitive last year, like those are some of the teams that are being talked about. The Raiders, which were very com- which were competitive last year, those are the teams that you're talking about. Like you're not ta- – you know, we're not talking about teams that, that are have a two, three, four rebuild, you know, just not – like you're not talking about Washington, you know. Right. Like that, that, that – I, I think that that's, that's what it comes into. But if I'm Tom Brady – because, I mean, I'm only a couple years younger than Tom. If I was in Tom's situation, I would want to hear every offer possible before I made my decision because this is the last time that happens. 100%. I think you, you have to mention Tennessee as well. But yeah. all, all in all, I mean, this, this offseason is set to be a very, very wild one, and I am so ready for it, and it's going to be really, really exciting. So there you have it. Tom Brady back to New England is your prediction. Mike, I appreciate you taking the time. Great stuff. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, man. Really hey, good. no problem. Thanks. And uh, don't forget, check out my podcast for Michael Robinson. A big thank you there to Michael Rothstein for joining me on this week's episode. As he said there on the end, go check out his podcast, The Michael Rothstein Show, for some great Lions talk. He really does a great job. You can check out some more sports podcasts on bluewirepods.com. Also, a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, the My Sports Update Football Podcast. All of that is greatly appreciated. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. I'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, so long.